Shalom Abracha. Thank you all for coming, each and every one of you. I think just before we even do anything, before we speak and before we sing and before we feel and before we think, the fact that we're able to pack a room, Bisiata Deshmaya, as a launch event, as it were, in a new city with Jews who are not quite sure what exactly this is, what they're coming for, but they, they know that there's an opportunity to connect. I just want to, before starting anything, just appreciate that for a minute. I need to remind you it's 2022, almost 2023. And after everything we've been through, Shimcha Loi And that itself is a remarkable, remarkable Kiddush Hashem that I need to acknowledge. Ashreinu. How privileged we are to be among those that are Mavakshe Hashem, that are Mavakshe Emes, that are looking to connect. I want to thank Rabbi Schiff, the founder and director of Jewish Futures, for giving me the opportunity to come to these very foreign shores, 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 different place, and to be able to just go around and speak to Yidin of all ages and of all backgrounds about something that I think all of us feel very deeply is something that we need, something mamish that we need. We'll speak about that with Hashem's help. I want to thank my two esteemed Yedide Nefesh, Rabdom Barakom and Ramosha Gersht, who came all the way from Yerushalayim and Arkadesh. And I want to be Megala Das, just at the outset. A declaration of intent that our entire goal and our entire objective is that in this room, in the middle of sometimes dark Manchester, so I hear, at least physically, certainly not spiritually, but at least physically, we can taste a little bit together Avir the Eretz Yisrael, a little bit of a taste of, of Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh, of that holy place, that holy city. The tzaddikim say Ir HaKodesh means the holy city. But the word Ir can actually be related to the word Hisairus, to wake up, to shake awake. The tzaddikim say Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh doesn't just mean Yerushalayim, the holy city. It's Yerushalayim, the city that wakes up the holiness within us. Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh, wakes something up inside. That's our goal tonight, to be able to get in touch with some place that we might need to dust off and believe in again, and to feel and to close our eyes and to do something different. And let this moment be a portal. So please join me.
I'd just like to begin with a few words of, of openness, of revealing our intention, what we're trying to accomplish with Hashem's help. Now, back in the day, things were different. 
One of the things that were different about 200 years ago in the middle of Ukraine was that the age of marriage was much, much younger. And there was a custom in at least certain areas for the boys to be married off on the day of their bar mitzvah, believe it or not. 13 years old was a big day for them at their bar mitzvah and they were married. One of those bar mitzvah boys, who we know today as the great Sandik Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, walked around the wedding hall and he started asking the guests a question. And the question he asked is, What are you doing here? So everybody had a different answer. I'm here because I'm your mechutin's, you know, or your father-in-law-to-be's uncle. Or I'm, I'm here because I'm your future mother-in-law's business partner. Whatever the answer was, everybody had a reason that they were there at the chasen. And he went around again and again to different people. And what are you doing here? Ah, okay. And what are you doing here? Everybody had an answer. But then the tzaddik saw to the corner of his eye that there was a boy standing in the corner, a little bit older than him. 15, 16. And he walked over to him a little bit more slowly. And he looked him in the eyes and he says, and what are you doing here? And there was a moment of silence between them. Locked eyes. And the boy answered very softly. He says, you know, I was just now thinking about that question. What am I doing here? You understand he wasn't speaking about the, the wedding hall, the chasana. What am I doing here? In this life, with this Jewish nisham. And it's brought in the Sfarim that the next thing that Rabbi Nachman told him, this boy whose name was Shimon, who eventually became what's referred to as Rabbi Shimon HaMashari, so he became Rabbi Nachman's Gabbai for the rest of his life. He said, it would appear So basically, we're going to get along, right? You're my kind of guy. We speak the same language. And I ask a person, what are you doing here? They tell me how they got into this particular room. I go, what am I doing here? One of the most elemental ideas in Yiddishkeit is the concept of body and soul. Goof. And a shaman, one of the most basic, basic, basic ideas without which you really can't start, and not one inch in any area of Yiddishkeit. We have to first accept that there's an ashama that we have and a guf. But the truth is that everything has a body and a soul. Not just this thing we call the human being, a composite of physical and spiritual, something external on the outside, and then something deep beyond the surface, everything has a goof, an aspect of body, and an aspect of neshama. The world has a neshama. Yiddishkeit has a neshama, Torah and mitzvahs. Everything has an outside 
and an inside. Guf and an neshama. Now, in order to identify these elements and to be able to connect to them and to start to see things in a deeper way, we first have to understand what's the tafgid of a neshama, what's the purpose of it? What does it do? Vis-a-vis the body, which I think is a simpler thing than we'd ordinarily just imagine because Rahman al-Islam, all of us in one form or another have encountered the concept of a body, Rahman al-Islam, without a neshama. Shall only share good news, Bezer Hashem. A corpse. What does the neshama do for that thing we call a corpse, just a body alone? Two fundamental things. One is more obvious, one is less obvious. The first thing it does, Pashid, it brings it to life, right? Animates it, vitality, vibrancy, feeling, life. But there's another element as well. And that element is it unifies. Puts everything into one perspective. Because what happens soon after the body is lowered down into the place where it rests, until Mason, what almost immediately begins to happen, it certainly unfolds in a period of days and weeks and months and years, is that the body begins to disconnect. All the different limbs and all the different joints in the bone, everything comes apart. Because when there's, an, when there's an ashama in the body, when there's a soul in the body, we call this thing a human being, even though it has a hand over here and a foot over there, and eyes here and a tongue here and ears here. But when there's an ashama in the body, ah, okay, it's one thing. Brings everything together and it brings everything to life. The week has a soul. The week, seven days. What's the soul of the week? Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos is called Yom It's the day of the soul. Shabbos is also referred to as Tachlis Maisei Shamayim Va'aret. It's the ultimate purpose of all of this, all of creation. For Shabbos Kodesh, it's the soul. Which means to tell us that the soul is the why. The purpose of a thing, the premise of a thing. Shabbos is the soul and Shabbos is the purpose. It's the why for the whole creation, all the six days of the week that precede it and all the six days of the week that will follow it for Shabbos. Shabbos brings things to life and Shabbos unifies our experience. For all of us in our lives, which are oftentimes fragmented and oftentimes incoherent in the sense of being able to link one minute to the next and one experience to the next, one year to the next, one stage of life with the next, this thing we call life in general. We yearn for unity. We yearn for vibrancy, for feeling. Vitality, passion. Instead of dragging through just the aspect of the week, just a bunch of doing, a bunch of disparate experiences of accomplishing, of doing this, and then I'm doing that, and I have this part of my life, and that part of my life, and the other part of my life. What about the unifying 
element that brings it all together and that brings it all to life. We yearn for this. And if we can identify the soul with the premise, with the purpose, with why, then that would suggest to us that the more that we dig in this area to find out what is this thing about, what am I doing at this chasana, the chazal referred to as this world is like a little bit of a behilula, it's a little bit of a wedding. Say, just grab and eat. We have to know what we're grabbing. We have to know what eating means and what we actually want to eat. Obviously, on a spiritual level. The more that we start to ask ourselves this question and to start to begin to identify answers. Why? Deeper reasons. The more that our lives become unified and the more that our lives become full of life, full of vibrancy. Bound with a common thread, even though our experiences might be disparate one from the other. Essentially, using this idea of the six days of the week and of Shabbos, we can give two terms for them that sort of put it into focus. Quantity and quality. The six days of the week are unique because there are many of them. Six, to be exact. Quantity. Shabbos, there's only one day of Shabbos. One 25-hour period. But Shabbos is about quality. Shabbos is not just about how much I can mark down on a paper of what I did or didn't do. Shabbos is about being, not about doing. And the secret of life is to infuse all of our doing with a sense of being. To get in touch with that spirit of Shabbos Kodesh, of the soul of things, the inwardness of things, the inwardness of Yiddishkeit, and the inwardness of life, and the inwardness of relationships. And for that to infuse all of the, so to speak, external aspects, all of the doing of it, with an incredible sense of life, of vibrancy, and of unity, where we can begin to have yishavadans, so that we've identified something so deep and such a deep premise that no matter what I'm doing, I feel that it's aligned with this mission, with this purpose. I know where I come from. I know where I'm headed because I dug deep. I went deep down. And Hassan and Kala find each other, two halves of a soul wandering the world, and then... Like I got a message just this morning from someone I'm very close with who said, she's the one, you know, that magical message that every, every Bachar dreams about and every girl dreams about. And Be'ezer Hashem, all those that are looking for their Shidduchim and Zivugim, Siyat Hashem, Yeshua should come. Be'ezer Hashem. Amen. and Kala are looking for each other. And then there's a L'chaim, and then there's a Vart, and there's this incredible engagement period just full of feeling, full of connection. You can hardly think about anything else. I just can't do anything else almost. And the Svarim say that on a this worldly level, it's like Sachakam and nothing happened yet, right? They're not, not living together, they're not. You know. So on, on a this worldly level, we can't say that they share anything bigashmias in the world of externality. But on the heavenly realms, there's an incredible unity that they share in that moment, Baruchnias, in a higher level. And then marriage comes along. And when marriage comes along, a little bit that relationship comes down and descends into the other Magashmi. 
And all of a sudden, there are chores and obligations and things to take care of and bills to pay and garbage to take out <laughs> and groceries to buy. And there's the everydayness of that relationship. And a lot of people make the mistake, and I'm trying my hardest to hold on to it in my own relationship. It takes mamish time, it takes effort and work and remembering. But most of us, at least sometimes, we, we, we get married, but we forget to stay engaged. And so the marriage happens on the level of externality, on the level of quantity, on the level of the six days of the week, on the level of doing. But somehow, somewhere, we sort of lose touch with that passion, with that spirit, with that flame, with that fire. And the secret is staying engaged. All of us yearn for a Yiddish kind that's full of connection, that's full of relationship. That's not simply a series of right actions, you know, the right things, we checked it off the box, and we dab them three times a day, and could they eat them latoyer and the mitzvahs of Adam? It's nothing more shining, it's the highest thing in the world. But sometimes that can devolve into just like a culture, you know, this is our community, this is what we do here, and this is what we're expected to do, and this is what we do in yeshiva, and this is what, we're, this is what it's called being a firm Jew. But I think that our generation is searching and thirsting after already having been able to identify, okay, we got it down pat, Baruch Hashem, we have our, our shuls and our, and our yeshivas, and all the different cultural elements, even so far as Amazing Pesach programs and magazines, and we mamish have it, and it's the, it's the most beautiful, wonderful thing in the world. It's easier today, but gosh, me, is to be a firm Jew than at any other time in history. It's phenomenal. We're married to our Kurdish Baruch in the deepest way. But our generation, I found by talking to hundreds of young people, because I'm a young person, and so I speak to them on that level, over the last 10 years or so, there's a thirst, there's a bikush. People are seeking something. They're already putting on tefillin. They're already wearing tzitzes. But they want to be able to get into the why, to the deeper meaning, so that there can be vibrancy and vitality, and so that I can know the connection between Pesach and Shloch HaKan. Because on a, ruchnis, on a deep spiritual ruchnis level, that's where everything is one. Everything's bound together. Where I can see Yiddishkeit as an encounter with the divine. Where we can live a Yiddish kite that's full of life and give that over to our children. Sometimes it hurts to even say it, but I can say it about myself. Sometimes there are young people and people of every age, whether we like to admit it or not. Certainly not verbally, but maybe even consciously or subconsciously, where we have the perception sometimes that Yiddishkeit is choking us. I hate to even say this. It's just sometimes it's, it's too hard, it's too much. I don't feel comfortable here. I know that there are a lot of teenagers who feel that way. I know that I felt that way. And somebody just like me then one to Yaakov Kamenetsky, and he asked him this question. He said, Rebbe, he said, Mamish, I feel the Yiddish cat is choking. It's killing me. I have no time in it. I have no connection with it. And Yaakov told him like this. 
He said, in many families, we have the minimum of upsharing. A girl that cuts hair long, a boy's hair. And then when they turn three years old, we cut the hair and we leave payas. That's the point of the upsharing, essentially, one degree or another. And we give the kid tzitzis. And he's wearing tzitzis. What's his tzitzis? It has a little, like, choo-choo train on it. Right? The olive paste, maybe. And it's tiny because he's tiny. And he wears this pair of tzitzis. So Yaakov Kamenetsky said, what happens when the kid turns four? Presumably, you have to buy him a new pair of tzitzis because he's, go- he's older now. And when he turns five and he turns six, at those ages, the growth is unbelievable what happens. Mamish. And it always shakes me up to see you know, my kids growing in such a short period of time. And I think about myself in the last five years. Like I've moved an inch. You know, I'm trying. I'm striving. But at least physically, it's unbelievable the growth. What can be accomplished in such a short period of time? We have to upgrade the tzitzis. He says, imagine a 25-year-old walking around with the same pair of tzitzis he got when he was three. He says, of course it's going to choke him. But the question is, is it choking him because tzitzis are essentially something that chokes? No. We just need to upgrade the tzitzis as you grow. And Sir Yaakov Kamenetsky said there are a lot of Yidin that are walking around and it's not their fault and it's not that whoever is not walking around that way is better. It's not a matter of better or worse. It's a matter of a yearning for Yidin to be able to feel connected to HaKadosh Baruch in the deepest way. That's it. He said there are Yidin walking around with a three-year-old conception of Yiddishkeit. And they have the same Hashem when they're 30 or 40 or 50 as they did when they were in grade school. That's their perception of it. And the stories in the Torah every year, we we go back and we start to read again. And Mamash had never budged. Even though they might have learned a lot about how, what, where, and when to engage with Yiddishkeit. They might have learned a lot of halachas across the whole spectrum of different ways of behaving and how to live as a from Yid that's connected to the Torah, which in and of itself, the whole Sefer is already something. The whole Yiddishkeit, even without any intentions, they're already the highest thing, but it's a bit the There is a Lechat Chila, there's Anila Daidi Vidaidili, Akadish Baruch, who gave us Yiddishkeit so that we should have a relationship with him. So let's shoot for the Lechat Chila, Chavra. If we can upgrade our tzitzis, if we can start to devote time, whether it's daily or weekly or monthly, to get into the soul of Yiddishkeit, the soul of the Torah, to learn the halachas and to learn the sugyas, but to take Panimius HaTorah very seriously. Whether it's Agada or the Mefarshim and Agada, from the the Beis of the Gra, the Beis of the Baal Shem Tov, certainly, whatever speaking about the why of Yiddishkeit, it's the same Shabbos neighbors, Beis Hashem, you're going to light in good health until you're 120, but to be able to learn about that, to spend some time, it'll change the way that you light Shabbos neighbors. And there are thousands of pages in the Svarmakdashim that speak about this, and it's accessible, and everything's been translated to English. But to be aware that we mamish have an answer. I'm going to end with this and we'll sing and then Ezra Hashem will hear more words that hopefully are useful and certainly they will be to me. All of us are familiar with the Pasuk Days are coming HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to send a famine to the earth. 
He says, it won't be a famine for bread, will it some of mine, and it won't be a thirst for water, ki im, it'll be to hear the words of a Kurdish On a simple level, as the Mepharshim tell us there, it means people will stop thirsting for physical gratification. People are going to be looking for something on the level of rachnius, on the level of feeling, of spirituality. And the following vart, and the following tyro, which is not just like a nice thing, it's mamash real. If I didn't see it from Ramosha David Ali, who was one of the Talmidim of Hakim of the Ramchal, and Mamash couldn't say such a thing. But this is what he says. You can look it up inside. And I walk with this all the time because I think it's true. And Mamash think it's true. He says, Lechem and Mayim can be a reference to physicality, right? Physical bread and water. But he says, In Chazal, Lechem is actually a reference sometimes to Torah itself. And Mayim ain't Mayim Ella, Torah. Mayim itself can be a reference to Torah. And the Ramad Vali says, There are coming days, the end of time, the very, very end, where there's a Rav Ba'aris, there's a famine in the land. There's a thirst, there's a yearning, there's a bikush. And loy rav lalechem leitzam alamayim. There will be plenty of yeshivas and shuls and more Torah learned than ever before. Torah and tefillah we're going to have. With all the programs, it's unbelievable. Dershu and, and, and outside over there, they have that dafiomi program. Incredible thousands of people learning. There's, there's, we're going to have that aspect. But the thirst will be kim l'shmayan l'dvar Hashem. Now I'm seeking for a connection to HaKadosh Baruch through that. To be aware that there's more. To be aware that I can have a deeper connection that fills me with health, that fills me with vitality, with Yishavadah. We're going to learn with Hishtavas, with equanimity. It changes the way that I look at things because I, come, I become a spiritual-oriented person, a person that's looking for the soul of everything, the soul of a relationship, and the soul of the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch With all the rhetoric about Anachnu, or Dar Shuffle, we're a, a very low generation, you read this Hadaris, I mamish want to tell you, Anachnu Dar Mitsuyan. We are an absolutely phenomenal generation. And the potential that will open up to it, to go deeper, to take one step in, not to the left, to the right, you know, across the spectrum, to be able to go ahead and to learn a little bit more how to do, what to do, where to do it. Also that, we need that. But to go in, to go deep, to spend time delving deep into the why, into the premise, into the soul. We can mamish bring Mashiach ever. We can mamish do it. We can mamish do it. It's the chelik HaMashiach in all of us. It's having that bikush, that desire and never letting go of it, to be a person that's open and authentic and vulnerable and searching and recognizing whatever I may have, but I know that there's more. I want a deeper time in Shabbos. I want a deeper taste in the Gemara that I'm learning. I want deeper. And this is what Elecha is all about, this new organization. This is what we're trying to do, to speak this kind of language, to address this thirst, this summer. 
Hashem, for a perceptible relationship with the Kodesh Baruch And Be'ezer Hashem, I think through that, a lot of the issues that we're plagued with in our communities are essentially symptoms of this loss, of the why, of the focus, of the soul, of the Shabbos, of the being, of the inwardness, of the journey. And I hope with Hashem's help, and I think tonight's just going to be the start, it's just the start, that together we can search and together we can find. So thank you so much for coming out tonight. Thank you.
that niggin, that niggin was my niggin for, for three months, this time four years ago. I just brought up this story. Thank you. So I, I had a, I had a baby. Um, and he was born three months early. So the first time I saw my baby, born in the first, the first day of the twenty seventh week, and he was basically rushed past me in an incubator. And he weighed 900 grams. And it's funny, when I tell the story, everyone's like, Mazel tov. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he had rushed past me. And then I wasn't allowed to go to see him for, a, for a, the first hour. Whilst they were plugging him in, really. And he had a respirator. Because his lungs weren't developed enough to breathe. And his... Brain wasn't developed enough to tell his lungs to breathe. So he had this respirator keeping him alive. And he had a tube, a feeding tube in his nose. And they're feeding him through this tube. And he had many different wires and cords. And for the first three days, we weren't allowed to touch him because of bacteria. But after that, it basically says I had to hold him against me. So I basically held him against me for three months um, and sang this niggin to him. So this is our niggin. And on the day he was born, I was watching him on, in this incubator with the respirator. And every single breath, I could see this respirator was keeping this child alive. Literally. And you start understanding that if you breathe out and you don't breathe back in, that's it. So that every single breath becomes life force gushing back into you. It is your vitality, the breath coming in. And I was watching this baby he wasn't breathing, he was being breathed. He was being breathed. And as I was watching him, I thought to myself, I'm also being breathed. I'm on a divine respirator now. Unless you are consciously following your breath, you're not breathing. You are being breathed. And every breath is another connection. Obviously, everyone knows that the word for breath, neshama, is connected to the word neshama. And Hashem breathed the neshama into Adam Arishan. And every breath, every breath, is another connection to your soul, to vitality. And the Midrash says, we say every morning, kol hanshamat halelka, halelka. Every neshama prays Hashem. But the Midrash says, Kol neshima Every breath we take could be an opportunity to feel that we are being kept alive by the divine life force. Every, we breathe in, you don't breathe out. 
Every breath, every single breath is an opportunity. So on the day he was born, thanks for this nigger, just kidding. <laughs> on the day he was born, I phoned my father, and my father is a big mensch, a loving, supportive mensch. And I bought him to fill in, 10 years before that, I bought him to fill in, and I said, Abba, you know, put him to fill in, and he kept saying, no, I'm not so comfortable to fill in, it's not for me. I called him that morning, and I said to him, Abba, muscle top, we, we have a baby, boy, and you have this idea, in Yiddishkeit, that one Jew can do a mitzvah for another Jew. So, would you mind starting to put on your tefillin. So my father being a big man, she said, of course. Takes out his tefillin, he starts putting on his tefillin. Puts on his tefillin every day, three months, and he checks in with me every day, and he's learning. And I taught him that we have seven wraps of the tefillin. And every morning I say, Atem, Hadveikim, Hashem, Elokechem, Someone who's truly conscious of Hashem, of their breath, of their life force, of their soul, that's called being alive. And on Rosh Hashanah we daven. Life, what is life? Life is living with vitality and consciousness and with Hashem. All of our teachings, all of our teachings, it's all about a palpable, authentic, moment by moment personal relationship with Hashem. And everyone knows the introduction to Mesir Shisharim. The introduction to Mesir Shisharim says, People know this. Yira, Ahaba, Dveikas, Simcha, but no one's really working on it. We're too busy and we're learning the Gemorrahs and we're doing stuff. We... Now everyone knows that introduction and they say it and they still do it. <laughs> we're still not consciously working on these very, very foundational, key, important things and they don't just happen. So three months later we have the bris. An amazing, powerful, beautiful bris. My mother and my father came. And two weeks after the bris, my father was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. So my mom and sister are both doctors, and and they said, "Okay, this you got three, four months, five months." Come in, you've got to come and live in England, spend the last few months together. Um, so we packed up and we left Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim, Yira Shalem, complete Yira. Yira being God consciousness. And we came and we came to visit my father. He carried on putting on to fill in. And he started keeping Shabbos a bit. And everyone knows that Shabbat is related to the word Lashevet. And Lashevet means to sit down. We're running so much. We're running so much. We're trying to achieve. 
and we're picking the kids up from football and we're going to the shiur and we're, we've got guests for Shabbos and, we, and we got, we're running and we're achieving it. And our sages teach us we, we, have, we have to sit down. We've got to sit down. Yishuvadas. Yishuvadas means just stop. Just stop. Just start to be. So not only are we running around and achieving in the external world, but inside us, our mind is going all day. Fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, whatever, hoping and dreaming. and The mind is just a constant flow of... Things that are actually stopping us connect to our breath and anashama. So it's called Yoma de Nishmata. The day of anashama, because it's Shabbat, Lashevet, Yishavadas. Yishavadas, just sit down. So my father starts keeping Shabbos. He doesn't use his phone, and my mother. And they start keeping more kosher. My mum actually admitted to me, she said, I've never made a chicken soup in my life with a non-kosher chicken. That was her one thing. Chicken soup, kosher chicken. That's beautiful, that's a yid, that's a yiddish man. I'm gonna make chicken soup with a non-kosher chicken. Ready? <laughs> so my mommy and my daddy, my abba and my imma, they start growing and after three, four months, and he's going through chemo, and he has this positive attitude. He actually seemed okay. So we came back to Israel, and they stopped treating him. And they had to test every two months another scan. And for about two years, two years with no treatment, he was just fine. Just fine. Cut a long story short, I came to England. This is now four years later. I came to England to be with my mum and dad this week. So my father is still in Olanaze, four years later. Baruch Hashem, but now he's not doing so well. And now it's very difficult. He's, he can't walk very well. And he, stay, he gets out of bed very late. So I go into his bed, and I'm going to do this tomorrow morning. And I just, he's very thin now, but I just put my head on his chest. And he puts his arm around me, and he puts his hand on, on my head. But I can feel his breath, every breath. It's coming in, it's going out. You've got to understand that every breath of my father is mamish, a miracle. Four years, is unheard of. So I'm watching my son, I'm watching my father, I'm watching, I'm watching my breath, I'm watching their breath. We've got to understand, you see my son, my father, you don't choose when and how you are born. And you also don't choose when and how you die. But you can choose what you do in between. You can choose to start being a little bit more conscious, a little bit deeper, to go deeper into yourself. And the key to going deeper into yourself, according to all of our sages, is through your breath. Your neshima is your neshama. 
to just be able to sit with your breath. And we see Jacob in this week's Pasha, and next week's Pasha, he's alone. Jacob goes to be alone. All of all of Adam and Yitzhak, they were all shepherds. They were all, I just need to be alone. And we have a very deep power in Anishama called the power of Navad. The power to be alone. And where do we get that fundamental power? It's from Adam Arishan. Obviously, the Torah says, We're not meant to be alone, but you're meant to be able to be alone. To be able to be alone. Only when we're fully able to be alone. And by the way, what do I mean by alone? It means without the voices in our heads as well. Nowadays, by the way, to be alone means to be at least a three-minute walk from your phone. <laughs> That's what I mean. To be in a place where you can't hear your phone ring. That, then you're kind of alone. But you could be in a desert on your own and you're not alone because you've got all those voices in your head. And you can be on the London underground, Camden Town, and you can be very deeply alone. And what does it mean to be alone? It means to be alone with your breath, to go deeper within yourself. Because all of the things that are distracting us from Anishama, they're just on the surface level. They're on the surface level. The mind is very complex. The neshama is very simple, very tam, it's very pure. It's just like on the sea, there are waves on the sea and the boats are crashing and the thunder and the lightning. There's a rash gadol on the surface, but if you go under the water, you go under the water just 15 meters, 20 meters, you go under the water, it's very quiet. It's very quiet there, it's very peaceful there. And that we have access to at every moment. But we're just running too much. We're running too much. <coughs> so I'm going to do a little thing now. I want to invite us all, I'm going to lead a three minute, a three minute meditation. Now for some people they hear the word meditation and they're like, oh, I'm not a hippie, Buddhist, this and that. And I hear that. I hear that. But all of our sages were meditating. It says in the Gomorian Brachas that the pious ones, the early pious ones, they would be shayhin shayachat. They would sit for an hour before they even started praying. Ashrei yayishvei beisecha. Ashrei yayishvei, to sit. Yishavadas. You can't daven, you can't chapaminyan. Oh, chapaminyan. There's no chapi. You've got to go to a deeper place. So what does the Rambam say? A big chassid, the Rambam. What were they doing for an hour? Why did they sit for an hour? Lahashkit machshavotam. To quieten their thoughts. Now the Rambam wasn't Buddhist. <laughs> And the Shulchan Aruch, Tzadi Chet, when he's talking about the Kavana in Tefillah, says when you notice your mind is running, Lishtok, be quiet. Quiet in your mind. Go to a deep place within yourself. So, I want you to just try and open yourself now. If this is very, very uncomfortable for you, by the way, it means you need to do it more than anyone else. <laughs> so I want to just give yourself this chance. By the way, I'm not going to make you sit with your legs crossed behind your head. 
<laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to sit up straight. Can, let's, can everyone sit up straight? And Rabbi Yaakov's going to play some sweet. And all we're going to do is this. Uncross your arms. Uncross your arms, sit up straight. And whatever your mind is saying, I don't want this. By the way, everyone knows, Ezehu Gibor, Akobesh Yitzra. Your Yetzirah doesn't want you to do this. Because this is the start of going beyond your Yetzirah. So your Yetzirah is going to fight this. And this is the whole practice. By the way, in Jewish meditation, it's called Hashkata. Hashkata. It means to quieten your mind. To quieten your mind. Nashkit Machshavata. And the way we do Hashkata, sit up straight, just loosen your neck and shoulders. And by the way, smile. <laughs> smile. It's okay. It's okay to smile. It's not serious. Don't take this so seriously. There's not going to be a test. And what you're going to do is, you're going to start following your breath coming in and going out of your nose if you can. And if you can't breathe through your nose, through your mouth. And if you can't breathe through your nose or your mouth, there's medics in the building. <laughs> but what we're going to do is, you're going to follow your breath coming in and going out. Your nishima, kol nishima v'nishima. Every breath. And what's going to happen after half a second, your mind is going to freak out. I can't do this, I can't do this, this is weird, what do people think of me? As soon as you notice your mind going, gently catch it, smile, because that's not a failure, that's a victory. And gently bring your mind back to a calm nishima, nishima, just focus on the breath. So if everyone wants to sit up straight, put down anything that you're holding, loosen your neck and shoulders, smile a lot, smile a lot. Okay, so gently close your eyes with literally two, three minutes. Gently close your eyes. And start breathing very deeply through your nose. Filling up your lungs. And smiling. And gently releasing your breath. And releasing any tension. And it's okay, it's okay to laugh. For other people, don't let that distract you. It's just another thing that's coming into your consciousness. We're going to go a bit, little bit deeper. And every time your mind starts to wonder, I can't do this, I'm bored, and just smile at your mind. And gently bring it back to your breath coming in and going out. Like gently rocking the baby, the baby in the incubator, Every breath of that child in the incubator, keeping him alive. Kom nishima v'nishima. Atem adveikim v'ashem alakechim chaim tokem ayam. One more minute, just breathing, smiling. Letting go.
loosening your neck and shoulders, smiling, breathing. 30 more seconds, 30 more seconds. Try and go to a deeper, calmer place within yourself. Twenty more very long seconds, breathing and smiling.
Now, Beit Hashem, coming to the end of this particular evening, which again is really, it's great. We're just starting, we're just starting. It takes a little time to warm up. But Hashem's help, this is just part one. Mamash part one, the idea is that we should have these events, maybe even once a month, maybe even more frequently, to try to start chaburas, people getting together, going deeper, learning, taking Yiddishkeit very seriously, life, neshima, neshama. Beit Hashem is just the start, but for the final, Part of this evening, we'd like to pass it along to Moshe Gersh. Shlita. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Chazal says, when you go somewhere, before you say anything, you should be grateful, give cover to that which is hosting your presence. And yeah, I'm from America, and I currently live in Yerushalayim, and there's a there's a notion that in, in England, maybe it's a little colder, but I'll tell you, you feel so much in this room. Uh, and just first and foremost to, I don't know where he is in the room, but Rabbi Schiff and Jewish Futures for putting this together. Unbelievable neshamas that are. It's a bracha. It's a bracha. So thank you for being here. There's a line in a Gemara Nedarim that says maybe the secret of the whole world. And it says, Da kanisa machasarta. And that means, if you have awareness, what do you lack? And if you lack awareness, what do you have? If you have this thing called das, if you have this awareness, which maybe we'll explore over the next few minutes, then what do you lack? But if you lack this awareness, this certain knowing that something that's inside, you can have it all. And Chazal say, but what do you really have? Just a, a quick story uh, about my daughter at home, which to me I think about all the time as my symbol for this idea. Uh, I've Two little girls at home, probably have three little girls at home, but at the time there were two. And one was probably three or four, the other one was five or six. And one of them was drawing a picture. It had a tree and a rainbow and a heart and all sorts of nice things that little girls draw. And I was in the room, had lots of nachas, felt really good. 
And I don't know if you've ever heard of this thing. There's something called sibling rivalry. Okay, we might know it firsthand. It's in the partios these days. It's in the air. And my other daughter walked in the room, and I, till this day, I have no idea why. Probably doesn't matter. And she picked up the paper, and she just ripped it in half. Now you have to realize that to a four-year-old, that's like her whole life, right? That's her car, that's her wallet, that's her job, <laughs> that's her health, that's everything. Like her entire life went into that picture. And it just got ripped in half. And she was, and I'm, I'm ready to embrace this little girl who I'm sure is about to come crying at me. She's holding these two pieces of paper in her hand and she looks up at her sister and says, I have to, I have to. <laughs> I said, that is the MS. There's different ways we can go through this world. And there are ways where you can have the same situation as the person sitting right next to you. And you can feel my life is broken. And you can feel I have to. There, there are other ways to look at the same situation. I've spent the last uh, three and a half weeks running around the world, <laughs> Baruch Hashem, sharing Divrei Torah, words of wisdom, it's a tremendous, tremendous chus. And we were in Jerusalem, New York, and Jersey, and Florida, and Chicago, and California. Achron, Achron, Chaviv. Here in England, Manchester, Irokodesh. <laughs> You're all invited for Shabbos in Yerushalayim, when it's all over. <laughs> and the, the name that we, uh, that we gave to this series, to this talk, was Feel Good Now. And not just because if you tell people they'll feel good now, they'll come. But that's also true. But because Every pasuk that was said this evening, Vatam Hatvekim, Shivisi Hashem, Kimala Aratzdeya, every major pasuk that speaks about our relationship with Hashem and our relationship with this world comes back to our authentic connection to that which is real. That's what this whole thing is about. This whole life is about what's real. Because we can be here and we can create stories on top of what's real and miss reality. To feel good is not like last week's Parsha, Ace of, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's not the feel good we're speaking about, but to feel the essential goodness that you are that you were born with, and that is unchanging, that never goes away. 
It's to feel and to know, not just to think about, but to have some experience that when we say gamzula tova, or that life is good, that you sense that, even just a little bit, that you sense that there's direction in this world, that there's intention behind this life, that, that there are no mistakes, that things are part of something more, that there's a purpose to your life experience and a purpose to you. And that's not just true when you're young, and that's not just true when you're old, that's true every single waking and sleeping moment of our lives. <coughs> that life is the unfolding of Ratzon Hashem, and that's you, and that's good. And we very often live with the notion that we're supposed to push that off to the future, like, well, I'll feel good in Olam Haba. I'll feel good when I'm done. I will, I will feel that connection at the end. And the truth is, you will. We will all feel the connection when it's over. But Chazal said, you don't have to wait. Why wait? And like it's been said, life gets so busy, gets so full, gets so noisy, that we can miss it. And maybe not throughout the whole life, but we can miss it in the moments. To feel means to experience. And what you feel is real to you. Might not be reality, because we've all had times when we feel one way, but it's not reality. But what you feel is real to you in that moment, and that's why it needs to be seen, and it needs to be heard, and it needs to be validated. Yeah, I once, I once uh, scratched a lottery ticket. Do they make those here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm uncultured. I'm learning. <coughs> and it was in Israel, and I won 250,000 shekel, which is about $75,000. I don't know what that is in pounds, but it's good. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's not something that happens every day. <laughs> And if it did, you should come spend time together. <laughs> so, I'm looking at the ticket, and I looked at it like a thousand times. And once I realized that it was good, I, I put it in my pocket, and I slowly creeped out of the store that I was in to not be noticed. And I parked about five minutes away from this store. And in that walk, with all the exhilaration going through me, I already worked out where the Meister's going, all the bills that are paid, the present that I'm getting for my wife, and like, by the time I got to the car, the money was gone. <laughs> okay. okay, it was only a five, less than a five minute walk away. And when I got to the car, I sat down, closed the door, locked the door, took a picture of it to send it to my wife, and realized that I lost. And I had read the ticket wrong. Oh. <laughs> But for five minutes, I won the lottery. <laughs> and my brain and my body knew no different. What you feel is real, even if it's not reality. 
That's what I mean. It had a happy ending because now I got a great mushroom. <laughs> so that's to feel what to feel good, right? So what is good? So we say it every single day in Shmonas, right? And we say Hatov Shimcha. We say about Hashem, Hashem, your name is the good. We talk about Hakarasatov, gratitude, being aware of the good. Hashem is the good. So if what you feel is real to you, what is good is reality, is being able to connect to Hashem in the waking moments. The elokus, the godliness that exists within you in every moment, the godliness that exists within every experience of our life. The hard part is that what you feel and what is good don't always go together. And that's why we don't always feel that connection. We don't always feel good. We don't always sense that tobacco. We don't always have that awareness that Chazal were saying. If you have that, what do you lack? Because if you have that dust, if you feel that, because to me, feel good also translates to know yourself, which means connect to Hashem, which means to be in alignment with truth. Those are all the synonyms for the same idea, because when you're in alignment with what MS is, when you feel connected to Kaddish Baruch Hu, when you know who you are, you feel good, and not the kind of good that's dependent on something outside of you, but the kind of good that goes with you everywhere you go. Like the Maharal says that the true MS is that which never changes. Truth is that which never changes. It's always there. That's why MS is, is the Aleph and the Mem and the Tuf. It's there in the beginning of the alphabet, the middle of the alphabet, the end of the alphabet, because it's always there. <coughs> that our essential goodness is there. And, and what cuts us off? So there's a Pasuk in Tvarim that says, And I stand between you and God. And the Baal Shem Tov says, and what that means is, and I wasn't speaking about Moshe Rabbeinu, but was speaking about our own ego, our I, our Anochi. It's our Anochi that stands as a wall, like the Ramchal says in Mesil Sisharim, Kimechitza Shel Barzo, like this iron wall between who I am and who I could be, between my personal experience and my connection with Hashem. And in simple language, it's the idea that we have so many thoughts about life and we're, we get so caught up with our story and our narrative about how things are supposed to go and should go and should have gone and could have gone. And we, we, we create all these stories and we end up trying to steer the river of life instead of steering the boat in the river, right? Meaning the, the, the river is, HaKadosh Baruch is leading the way and it's going in a certain direction. And there's only so much you can do. <laughs> but, but you can control how you live your life and how you feel about things as you're going through. And that's why I didn't just call this talk feel good, uh, but rather feel good now. Now and not later. It's interesting. There's a mission at the end of Masechus Derech Eretz that says, if you really want to live, die before you die. Mesa Chalot Thomas. Heard that before? Unbelievable. If you really want to live, 
died before you died. There's a lot of meaning behind that. And if we had the full 10 hours tonight, we'd go deeply into it. But for the sake of everyone, we'll just go with one of the, one of the ideas. That at the very end, you know, right now, as we go through this world, there's a lot of amuna. And I can feel it in this room. There's a lot of amuna in this room. And amuna means belief. When we're finished here, there's no more belief. There's only knowing. When we're done, when we, when we clock out of this thing called olam hazeh, so then, on the other side, you don't have to think anymore or believe. You just know. And what are you going to know? Well, you're gonna know that everything was on purpose, and you lived good, and you were good the whole time, and that things were making sense, and that everything was bashkacha, and that there were no mistakes, and there were no accidents, and that Hashem wanted more for you than you could ever want for yourself. And you're gonna know it. We're all gonna know it, and it's not gonna be a matter of belief. And Chazak was saying, if you really wanna live, you don't have to wait to the end to live that way now. Die before you die. You, one day we're all going to know. And there's opportunities to tap into that. Now is not just about today and not tomorrow. Rav Chaim Friedlander Zetzal says, there's a famous line in Pirkei Avos, Lo Akshav Eimasai, if not now, when? And he explains it doesn't mean if I don't do it now, when will I get it done? But he says, if it's not now, when is it? It's only ever now. Because your past, well, when it, when it happened, it was now when it happened. And your future, when it will happen, well, it will be now when it does happen. And right now, in this moment, it's now. That's all we have. And the anochi, the I, that's constantly running away from the here now is the wall that cuts us off from feeling that connection. With, like, with complete certainty, anytime I get to the end of a talk, I'm always thinking there's probably one or two people in this room that know that they have to be somewhere. And that happens for all of us whenever at some point we're somewhere and we get to the end of something and in the last few minutes we're already thinking, okay, when this is done, I gotta get to here, how long is it gonna be? Da, 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 da. And we've already like, that's it. We're not even there anymore. And that means you can be in a room, but you're not in the room. You can be with your child, but you're already thinking about going to the market. You can be at your job, but you're already thinking about your vacation. You, you can be in many, if you can't be here and now, you'll never really be in your there and thens, because when those there and thens become the now, you'll be there and then again, right? So we're, yeah, it's a nice little rhyme, right? So, and, and we're, we, com we completely throw ourselves out, but you start to feel very alive and very connected when you can come back to what's here. So much so that the Leshem, one of the greatest Mikubalim of the 19th and early 20th century, says that that's the essential name of Hashem. That what we think about, when we think, when we see a Yud Kevavke, when you see that name, he says the Yud means always, and the Hevav He, Hove, means here now. That's what, like, literally what 
the name means. It is the always now, the forever present, the eternally here. The timeless presence that exists in every moment. And so when we find ourselves just being a little more present, that means when you're davening, you're davening. You don't have to do anything else. That's it. The time is set aside for that. When you're learning, you're learning. When you're playing, you're playing. When you're spending time with someone, you're fully with them. And when you start to become more and more present, and not needing to run to some other place in space and some other time, you start to feel more connected. You start to feel more alive. And that's what Chazal meant when they said, If you have awareness, if you know who you are, and you know who you are when you're not running to something else, because all that's left is who you are. There's no show you have to put on. There's no persona. You know what a persona is? Persona in Greek means a mask. Our persona is very often just a mask, which is why we love Yom Kippur. It's taking a mask off. And we love Purim. It's covering it with a second mask, which hopefully helps us find ourselves. So we should be zilcheh wherever and whenever we are to be connected to the truth of who we are and what life is, and to know that a Kaddish Baruch who made us good when we came in will be good when we come out, and that life is a good process in between. <coughs> Two quick announcements on Bezer Hashem. We'll dance a little bit in the field, and we'll wrap it up. Bezer Hashem, there are three svar for sale, aligned with the three individuals sitting here, two of whom are remarkable, one is very, very unremarkable. But all three of the svarim are there on the table, and um, Bezer Hashem, both tables will have somebody. There are price sheets as well, and so you can put them in the middle of an envelope and free, feel free to take one home. And... Um, Bezer Hashem, there are brochures in front of you as well, which have different kinds of links and addresses if you're interested in really seeing this night as a portal. It's not just an evening of inspiration, and it's interesting if you take it home. This is life. This is life. Mamish, and it can change everything. Bezer Hashem, we can take this journey together. And so you'll find on the brochures information, links to follow, and to, and to connect. And Bezer Hashem, this is just the start of something, Bezer Hashem, very special and remarkable. And let's, uh, and let's stand up and rejoice in the here and in the now.
Thank you all for coming. Thank you.